0: And casting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from fxguide.com. Hi, I'm Mike Simora, and welcome to this week's FX Podcast. Um, in a moment, we'll be talking to Milk VFX about uh, the great work that they've done on the new uh, Doctor Who. In fact, uh, Milk did work on the 50th issue, and they've been working on it for a while, but um, we uh, wanted to talk about the new series, which, of course, finds the doctor in... Uh, well, back in Victorian England, of course it doesn't stop him from finding T-Rexes and running into all sorts of uh, amazing um, aliens and uh, and weird freaks, but uh, it's kind of a weird silence of the lambs thing going on there. But anyway, uh, really good fun talking to the guys and uh, at Milk, mainly because um, people like Murray Barber, the VFX supervisor who I'm talking to, have to put up with such an amazing production schedule, even though they filmed this episode in January. They're plowing through a whole lot of work for multiple shows and of course, multiple episodes in each show. So we always have a huge amount of respect for Episodic and what they managed to pull off. That's coming up in a second, but before we do that, I wanted to flag our SIDGRAPH coverage. We've just got back from SIDGRAPH and we've got a bunch of stories that we posted from there. We also shot an enormous amount of stuff for you guys um, and for stuff that we're gonna post inside Background Fundamentals, inside FX PhD. For FX Guide, though, uh, we have the FX Guide TV episode 193 called Everything Sidgraph. You guys might want to check it out. It's actually effectively, I think it's actually our longest episode ever of FX Guide TV. It goes for a while, but it's because it's in two big parts. Uh, The second part is because of the production sessions. So at uh, Sidgraph, as you guys probably know, really good production sessions on films. We were involved in two directly ourselves this year. Uh, sort of running or chairing the X-Men panel as well as the Godzilla panel. But in addition to that, um, there was a great panel or discussion on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we got to go to ILM before SIDGRAPH and actually sit down with the team and uh, run through that and their new um, face capture technology and the way that they're doing everything there. So that's the second half of this uh, episode 193. But I just want to flag the stuff at the beginning, the uh, quick run through of all the sort of key tech that we thought was really interesting. Uh, we start with Otoy's light field holographic technology, which is basically like a pre-render into a light field format that allows you to do super high rendering, uh, fast rendering, but super high quality because you've kind of got this pre-render done. And that's going to be, I think, hugely significant for uh, VR and uh, seeing an explosion. I mean, this really could be a, a tipping point for VR, as big as um, uh, anything we've seen so far. I think Oculus Rift is huge, but I think, you know, Oculus Rift needs a technology like this for the display stuff to um, move forward in leaps and bounds. So very keen to uh, show you guys that. But we also discussed uh, Houdini with the side effects guys and the new pricing there. Um, Clarice and uh, Nukagami are two um, things we look at in terms of uh, rendering and animation and stuff. And they'll, in fact, be uh, extensively covered further in FX PhD. One of the fun things just to flag to you guys is that I filmed uh, in front of the Dolby Extended High Dynamic Range Monitor that was on the NVIDIA booth. Now, these are very new, um, but man, I was just so impressed with it. What I was really glad, though, is when we played back the uh, the edit, we found that even though we've got the limited dynamic range of recording on the camera that we were doing in the QuickTime format that we were doing it, you can still quite clearly see a significant difference in the contrast ratio and the brightness of the Dolby monitor behind me because right beside it is a standard um normal kind of work monitor anyway these are professional monitors but they're going to be domestic versions of them so it's really worth having a look at and um I think Dolby's got pretty advanced plans for where that's going we also visited the job fair spoke to Massive about what they're doing uh Maxwell Renderer and, and of course that second half is uh, all on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so that's episode 195 over at FX Guide anyway um Let's cross now to the interview I recorded just um, a few hours ago with Milk VFX about the new Doctor Who. And I have Murray on the line. Hello, Murray. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: You must be incredibly uh, happy with the response that the uh, first episode, Deep Breath, has uh, had from Doctor Who worldwide, uh, actually.
1: Yeah, no, it's been amazing, actually. um, it, it, It seems to be getting bigger and bigger each year. Um, certainly, you know, the springboarded from the 50th. It just seems to, you know, it's gone global now, which is, you know it never was before. Well, it was before, but nowhere near as big as what it is now. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it really is finding audiences, uh, you know, around the world. Um, and you mentioned the 50th there. Uh, of course, you guys uh, worked on that and uh, and did some great effects in that. The uh, the day of the doctor. But I was going to talk to you now about the new one, and um, and finds ourselves in Victorian uh, England. But most interestingly, with a kind of mechanical man that is uh half faced or rather half half not there
1: yeah he he's he's basically you know he's a, i guess he's you know he's a droid in many ways he he's just a combination of lots of different parts which have been replaced over the years um when we see him in this episode you know he, he plucks out some eyes from uh you know um uh this, this victorian lamplighter so his you know his eyes, the newest requisition he has um but yeah, no, he's just a—he's a combination of lots of different bits and pieces, which he's accumulated over the centuries, really.
0: How many shots did you end up having to do of this uh, this guy whose face you know we can virtually see through if he's looking straight ahead?
1: Yeah, the half face man—it was around j uh, just under 90 shots. It was about 87 shots, I think, including you know, for the half faced man, which is uh, you know for a TV programme a phenomenal amount, really, because you know he's the main character in it, so.
0: Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, we're going to do some. uh, Just talk to you about some other shots, um, in particular that, uh, interestingly, um, oversized dinosaur in a second. But let's (laughs) stick with the uh, the half faced guy. Um, So I was wondering what your uh, your your workflow was on that. Given that you know you're working under sort of episodic television kind of constraints, I mean, what did you have on set to shoot with?
1: Well, it was kind of it was it was a combination of things. The we had a mannequin, which originally we was going to use for for standalone shots, uh, and then we, the plan originally before we were going to shoot was that we would use that. Um, we would kind of try and split it between CG and, and 2D in terms of how we were going to um, approach the half face man. So for locked off shots, we were going to try and use the mannequin, and then uh, for the moving shots it would be 3D. But it, it, in reality, when we came to shoot it, we just didn't have time to set it all up properly, and you know we could see within the first the first day that that that, that approach wouldn't really work um just in terms of time it took to, to set the mannequin up to put it in the right position so we ended up we, i mean the mannequin was used for a few a few standalone shots but the rest of it is is just pure cg um which uh, you know we decided we you know we just decided that it would be quicker to do it that way in the long run
0: so how many, uh, how many days were you kind of shooting? I mean, uh, he's in a lot of this Not obviously in all of them, but uh, he's in a significant proportion of it. Was it a, a long shoot? Uh, um, it seems like Episodic Television never has that luxury.
1: Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it was, it was the first block, so it was probably... I forget how many days it was in total. It was probably about a four-week shoot, something like that. Maybe actually it was a little bit long. It was, it, was, it was a little bit longer, probably five weeks, I think.
0: So in those shots where we actually see through his head, did yeah. you have clean plates to work to? I think the camera was still moving, wasn't it? Yeah, it
1: was. For, what we did for those, um, we basically had, obviously, lots of tracking markers on, on, on the half-faced man, on his hat as well, which worked really well because his hat obviously moves in, in conjunction with his head. It's quite a tight fit, so it didn't slip. So for, for rotational purposes, that, that that worked really well. Um, and what we did for all the sets, we did photo scans of all the sets. So basically, a, um a series, lots and lots of photos. And then we photo-scanned that, so we had a complete virtual set, which helped the lighters, as well, So for, for lighting and rendering. So we had a perfect, rep, you know, perfect replication of the set, so we knew where all the lights were. Um, and, and it meant that when we did the clean up on the half to. Microsoft, he, he had this prosthetic makeup on, as well, on the side of his face, which we obviously had to remove. Uh, we then had to hollow out his head. Um, and then we had to replace you know the back of his hat and his collar um and, and then as you say make up the background as well so there was actually quite a lot of um involved roto and prep which went on before we even comp, comp you know the cg clockwork into his face
0: yeah what were you tracking with
1: uh 3d equaliser
0: yeah it's a good program 3d equaliser isn't mm, it
1: yeah i mean you know for our guys it was um well, for me as well, you know, I, I, for this thing to work really well, it has you know, the tracking has to be bang on, uh, and you know, for TV, you don't you know, TV can get away with your pixel if it slips a little bit, you know, but for a cinema release, you can't, and it has to be, you know, it has to be as good as it can be, and, and our, our tracking match move department led by um, Amy Lloyd was was uh, you know sensational, you know, everything was bang on pretty much first time. There were a couple of shots that went backwards and forwards, but they were mainly because they had motion blur and. Um, you yeah know, it was harder hardest to track but yeah. yeah
0: of course hd is so close to cinema these days that ah. even uh especially with a show like uh, dr who where people are stopping it on frames you oh, don't yeah. have a lot of no, room there's no, to hide. no there's no
1: there's no forgiveness it has to be yeah you it know, has to be spot on and they were brilliant yeah those guys were you know considering the amount of shots they ploughed through they you know they did a brilliant brilliant job
0: so in 3d equalizer i can feed in a 3d object to help um align for object tracking because i mean there's camera tracking but there's obviously the object tracking of his actual head. Um did, is that relevant with a human face to put a sort of a head model in for to help with yeah. the tracking?
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, we fo- yeah, we photo scanned his head as well. So we so we had a, you know, we we knew exactly where his head would be and, you know, that that, that helped him tracking him as well. So so we, you know, we used the same process for the sets as well, you know, as we did for his head as well. So we had a full full 3D head, full 3D object which helped him track as well. Certainly for his motion blur images as well, you know, it helps a lot more and can snap the points on these mesh as well, which work really well. So what did you
0: actually design the clockwork mechanism and like, what was the, the 3D pipeline?
1: That uh, was my built-in my rendered in our ordinal Compton Nuke.
0: So that would have been fed with uh, the um, lighting setups that you got from doing the uh, surveys of the uh, sets, presumably?
1: That's right. Yeah, that's correct.
0: But many of those sets were studio sets, were they not? I mean, did, did that pose any issues or...
1: No, no. Well, the only the only issues we had was the time they were there for. You know, we had to, uh, you know, you couldn't sort of do a photo scan later on. It had to be done there and then. Because I mean, those. I mean, this is the thing about Doctor Who, which people don't really appreciate, is how um, uh, how many sets are built as well. You know, and they're. It's not like a normal show where you build a set and you use it all the way through. There's only one, there's only there's only one established set in the TARDIS, and we, you know we hard actually shooting that. It's, it's um and, and they're constantly building sets every you know, when they're building one they're striking another and they're building another one and striking you know it's it's for the art department it's actually it's a really really hard show. But I mean for us there was no it was no it was no, it was no real issue.
0: Yeah, so what you're saying is that if if you didn't get the uh, the set underneath the restaurant, the set underneath the restaurant wasn't there <laughs> to come back to later
1: yeah no, it's gone <laughs> you, know, you 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 know and sometimes you know, you you you'd be shooting in the morning and in the afternoon that set's it, not there or it's been turned into something else
0: now we I know that the uh the head you know, you, you had this prosthetic makeup that didn't really kind of work. But I mean, in the distance shots, could you get away with much? I mean, was there any sort of cheating able to be done? Yeah,
1: well, because of the makeup on his face, we basically had these these metal bars that were um, part of his prosthetic makeup, which matched the cage. I mean, for, for the for the wide shots, uh, it's graded quite dark, and all you can see is the metal glint on his face, and that's all we did for that. So, so there were a few cheats on the wide shots. I mean, the prosthetic we actually used it quite a lot as a lighting reference. So every time there was a new setup or a different set, we'd bring it in and and, and shoot some stuff along with our HDR. And silver ball, silver grey balls, we would then shoot that as well. So we had as much information as possible, which again helped help the lighting guys. Um, so we did use it; it just wasn't wasn't used for what its, you know, it's original purpose was to be. Um, uh, you know, used in many more shots, but it, you know, it didn't work out that way, um, which is fine, yeah, because it means it's more consistent.
0: Kind of interesting, isn't it? Because you've got in the middle of this uh, mechanical clockwork mechanism, you've got this what's meant to be literally a human eye. Um, this Connected as it were from the uh, from the head, but yeah, then sort of reconnected yeah. with this uh, weird stuff. So, uh, and then of course there's the whole issue of the matching to the other side of his face, which I presume was his act, The actual actor's eye.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the yeah, the real eye is it was the real eye. The other one is you know his eye. So, so we, you know animating that. And at first, it was quite difficult for the animators to line it up. So, so there were a few shots where he looked a bit boss And at first, or it was a little bit lazy. Um, and we had, we had long debates about that, whether actually it looked quite cool, actually. It was even creepier. Um, but we kind of went away and then, you know, it was discussed at various levels and they decided to try and match it as, as perfectly as possible. But for a while it did look really kind of, you know, I like had this, you know, this mechanical lazy I was trying to catch up, I quite liked it in a few shots, but they, it was decided to uh, to keep it as normal as possible.
0: Yes, though in the context of the whole Silence of the Lamb skin uh, balloon, I guess uh, Creepy wasn't actually out of the... Uh, out of the realm of possibilities.
1: No, no, indeed. Yeah, a whole flesh balloon. That was um that 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 again was actually was a model made by the art department.
0: Oh right, so that was an actual
1: Yeah, it's actually it was a physical thing. Was, yeah, it was a physical model.
0: Cuz you did a CG environment of Victorian London, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, we basically shot that that model was shot on the green screen um and then we comped it into uh, our our BG CG, CG London. And then actually also we then had um um uh, we had green screen elements of the Doctor and Half Face Man fi- fighting in the window. Uh, not sorry, not non window in the doorway. So we were fighting in the doorway. So that that was shot on one plate. We then had another plate for the um the balloon model and then we had the C G environment to put it all in. And then there was actually actually on top of that there was then a map painting of the um of the restaurant which went behind uh the Half Face Man and the Doctor because that was decided later on that we would then go back and reshoot those as pickups and again that, that set had gone so we had to build that from scratch.
0: Right. Yeah, so the the CG model of London is a very industrialised uh, Victorian version of London. I mean, a lot of smokestacks and stuff that obviously wouldn't be there yeah. today. Um, was that actually modelled out or did you kind of get away with some uh, sort of projection mapping of some matte paintings?
1: No, it's all, so, it's all a 3D build. I mean, having done Doc 2 for... You know, the best part of 10 years, uh, not as milk, obviously, but as as, as Mill and Mill TV, those assets and stuff which we've had. So we've done Victorian London, you know, it's it's been done before and we've done it on other shows as well. So what that does, it enables us to build up a library of, of buildings over the years which we've accumulated. Um, and, you know, as it goes on, you know, we're always constantly adding to it. Um, so, you know, we did, um, you know, yeah, St Paul's is an asset which we've got. But we again, if you have more model time, you can you can bring the model up and make it better. Um, so the vast majority of that is just stuff which we've already got, um, and it's just a case of repurposing a lot of it.
0: Did that apply to the Tardis-eating T-Rex, or was that a new asset?
1: Uh, no, that's that's no, that's a new asset. That's a new asset um, because a lot of those assets, you know, we've got. You know, from previous shows where we've done dinosaurs, but you can't always reuse those because they're owned by other people. So, so, um, so that in in that instance was a rep, you know, was a rebuilt model, and it was also it's much bigger than what a normal T Rex would be as well.
0: Yeah, I was going to say to to coin a phrase, the elephant in the room, the dinosaur in the room. When this guy was, uh yeah. was probably three hundred feet high, if not uh, even not more, which is. Uh, slightly more than we are led to believe actually roamed the Earth uh, in prehistoric days. But I guess yes. uh, inside Doctor Who, that's probably the least of our problems in terms of uh, realism reference.
1: Yeah, that goes out the window. It's, you know, how big do you want it? And it was, you know, um, Stephen said it's got to be bigger than Big Ben. So there he was, <laughs> bigger than Big Ben. What'd you get? <laughs> Presumably,
0: because otherwise the guy can't hold a TARDIS in his mouth and cough it up.
1: No, exactly, exactly. Um you know, it's uh, I mean that's the great thing about the show, you can you know, there isn't another show where you do the things that we do. <laughs> you know, there's been other you know, we've worked on other creature shows and it's just a creature a week. Well this is the you know we've got a creature this week but also we've got, you know, a, you know, a half faced man who's you know, I think is brilliant. Uh, you've also got the MPs of Victoria in London and, you know, various other, you know, set extensions and all sorts. There isn't another show where you get to do that whole gamut of work. You know, you normally just end up doing, you know, if it's a period piece, you just do period stuff. You know, where we, you know, on Doctor Who, you get to do everything. All in, all, all in one episode as well. All
0: in one episode. So how big's the team there that uh, that is working on this?
1: Uh, on, on this particular episode, we had about four, about 40 people worked on it on and off. Not, not, not all the time, obviously, if, you know, you've got some, you know, like the dribble coming out of the dinosaur's mouth. It's just, you know, it's effects guys who do that. So they'll work on that. They'll work on it for a couple of weeks. But in total, the amount of people who worked on it was around about 40.
0: Right, and so we we discussed how long the shoot was. But I mean, um, do you? I mean, th- there's a lot of planning for this because you know the show is so well established. But did you get a reasonable post time for the duration of doing the effects?
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah, it wasn't too bad because it's the first episode as well. So you know, you, you know, we shot it in January, and you know, it's just come out yeah the weekend. Obviously, we didn't have all that time to do it because it has to be. You know, Neris Davis, is the post-production supervisor on it. She has to do all sorts of uh, all sorts of things to it before before it goes out. You know, the worldwide stuff and getting the the cinema packs and that sort of stuff. So, um, but because it is the first episode, you do have more time on it than anything else. Um, You know, if we were doing it now, it'd be you know it'd be a major major. Well, being all sorts of trouble, I should think. You know, we're now chasing transmission, so it's it's a lot harder. But for the first one, it wasn't too bad. You know, we had quite you know had a fair bit of time on it, but we needed it. You know, there was loads. You know, it was about 120 shots, including you know in total, roundabout, which doesn't sound much really. But for a TV show, which you know the yeah the budget I top to isn't massive. Contrary to popular belief, it's not. You know, it's not. You know, it's nowhere near as big as it. You know, as other shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Because also, it's actually quite a lot of screen time yeah. by the time you add it up. I think there's twelve episodes in this current series. Is that right? And then, um,
1: yeah, that's yeah. And then there's a the Christmas special right. as well. And then
0: yeah, and the Christmas specials are always uh, uh, crackers. And and I presume you're just doing a overlapping running schedule that uh, means that there's multiple shows on the go.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, we have more than one. Yeah, we're doing a thing called Johnson Strange. At the moment, we're doing, which, again, is that's, I think, that's seven hours of TV, um, which is a pretty big show. We've just finished um, Hercules with, uh, and uh, Ex Machina, which is an Alex Garland film. Um, we're also doing Get Santa. Uh, we're doing some stuff on Dracula. You know, so we're actually, you know, it's um, it's pretty busy here at the moment. So what's the difference between your, your
0: episodic television pipeline and your film pipeline? I mean, is it... Basically, the same pipeline, or is one like uh, you know, working uh, OpenEXR, the other's a different color space and working kind of a,
1: um, no, a different? No, that's all, all the same, pretty much. It's all most things we work on a shot on the Alexa, so it all comes in pretty much the same. There are a few differences, but by and large, it's you know, it's all yeah, you know, all three of these done in Maya, it all goes through Arnold, and it's all Compton it's Nuke. Not, it's not a lot different, really. The only difference is the time. That's time what I was gonna say. Spent. Yeah,
0: I, I can the, the only thing I can imagine is that you, you get a bit more time per shot, uh, yeah. on, uh, on the film stuff. And then presumably also the review process, uh, uh takes a little longer, uh, on the film stuff.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, the great thing about TV is that you don't, you know, we tend not to do version after version after version of shots because you just don't have time. You know, we don't, you know, I think we were doing Hercules and we get up to, you know, 30 versions on stuff and we, it you know, just doesn't happen in TV because it just isn't the time. yeah. All the money for it, really.
0: It's interesting having your staff move between both, because I have heard people describe the episodic guys as being more like sprinters and the feature guys more like marathon runners. Um, but you've got the same team moving between the two types of projects.
1: Yeah, we do. Um, and I think if you, yeah, you, know, you talk to all of our guys, they're all experienced and everything. You know, they've all done, they've all done film, they've all done TV, they've all done commercials, pretty much. Um, and I think, it, it, you know, there, I mean, there is that, that, that. Um, the difference between film and TV, and certainly, we, well it used to be film and commercials actually, I mean, I, I worked in film for 10 years and everyone used to look down the nose at the commercials guys and say they didn't have the, the attention to detail to do film, and then the commercials guys would say, yeah, but you guys couldn't work in our environment, yeah, you couldn't take the pressure, you couldn't do more than, you know, you spend a year to do a shot and all that sort of stuff, and, um, you know, that's when, you know, commercials was PAL, uh, you know, it was F D and, and I think there was an element in truth in that, you know, um, but I think now it's all HD, or you know TVs actually. I think I think you know the um, I think they're getting closer and closer. And I don't think there's an awful lot of difference. I mean, I'm sure you talk to some of the film guys, and they don't have the time that they used to spend on shots. Yeah, that's true. You know, when you're doing a show, it's got a thousand shots in it. You know, you, you you just don't have the time. You know, the first part of that may be taken up. You know, the first six months. You know, if you're spending eight months on the film, the first six months you could be spending just doing a few shots and just you know kicking them around, and then they they turn over more stuff, and by the end of it, it's kick, bullet scramble, and you, you know, you're spending a week on a shot. So I think you know the um, the lines are certainly blurred now, you know because you know because TV is HD, you know uh, some of the big shows we work, you know some of the bigger TV shows you get more time on it, and I don't think there's an awful lot of difference between film and TV.
0: Are you hiring generalists or specialists, given this nature of the work?
1: Uh, it <laughs> depends on what it is. All depends.
0: Um, Well, I mean, generally speaking, are you like got a very compartmentalised pipeline, or does everyone have to sort of jump around a lot?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, in that, yeah, in that, yeah, in that, in that respect, you're right. You know, we are, you know, we are hiring specialists more than generalists. But if you, you know, um, it's always handy to have a bit of everything.
0: Well, look, it's been great talking to you, and congratulations on the show. As I say, a huge uh, sort of global phenomenon out of the gate. um, uh, Already a winner. I'm looking forward to see what you guys come up with.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's, I can't, You know, they were doing a tour and they went to South, you know, South, South Korea. I didn't know it was big over there, but apparently it is. So it's, uh, it just shows you how it's, um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's becoming a huge phenomenon, which is great. Yeah, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. Well, again, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Really
1: appreciate it. Pleasure, thank you.
0: Well, I want to thank Murray Barber for uh, uh, talking to us, and also for Will Cohen, who I'm um, uh, the CEO, who uh, uh, helped set that up, and uh, those guys doing great work. I really enjoyed what they did on the 50th and so I was glad to uh, see that they're into full run. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. I must admit it, aired, it airs very, very early here in Australia. But as I was jet lagged from Sidgraf, I actually got to uh, watch it with my daughter at uh, five o'clock in the morning, which is uh, a good time to watch Dog Two. I don't know I'll need to do that every time, but yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. All right. Well, um, thanks so much for being with us. We have a stack of really good podcasts coming. In fact, we've now got our... Uh, ducks and rows, so we can bring you to them bring these to you in a very orderly fashion we hope hoping to have each of the main podcasts coming out every two weeks Um, that means fx guide tv the fx podcast uh, and the stuff that we're doing with the vfx show which this week's looks at guardians of the galaxy but um, we also have the rc and the rc a little while ago went monthly and that's our fourth podcast and then of course there's this week in fx phd which is every week uh, during term time over at fxphd.com tune in for all of those things and of course our regular stories thank you guys so much for being with us unfortunately jeff Huser is sick or he'd be doing our uh, intros as he normally does we hope jeff gets better real soon on behalf of jeff john and myself thanks so much for listening see you please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts you can reach us by clicking the contact us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is Copyright FX Guide LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.